Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. meeting is being recorded. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Property World. I'm delighted to be joined by insurance desk Joshua Munt. Great to have you on Josh. Yeah thanks for the invite Well, Good to, to come on. So uh, Josh uh, works with John Cox at insurance desk. Uh, they're uh, property insurance specialists um, and we're going to be talking about the insurance of development projects. Um, so, but before we get started, Josh, um, what, what's the easiest way to get hold of Insurance Desk or, or, or yourself indeed? Best way usually is to visit the website. You can go www.insurance-desk.com. There's our telephone number on there and also a contact form. So if you want to get in touch, that will come straight through to, to the team. Right. So uh, obviously, um, we might just start off with like the importance of uh, insurance and insuring uh, your investments generally, and, and then um, dovetail that into, uh, I suppose, more the development uh, side of things. So, yeah. what what is the uh, importance of insurance from your point of view as a insurance brokerage? It's it's massively important. I mean, it's never the sexiest of topics, so I appreciate that it isn't something that is generally discussed through property networks and within the property space. It's one of those things that uh, everyone uh, needs, but no one wants. Exactly. And no one wants to ever need it at the end. So you don't want yes, to yes. Well said, well said. <laughs> but I think a lot of things with in, in, in property is all about maximising profits. However, insurance is a great tool for cost saving when things go wrong but unfortunately it's not until something goes wrong you think okay well where's the the safety blanket so it's really important to get things right at the start because it's complex now with all our tax advisors mortgage advisors investment advice we would use specialists and we make sure we know exactly what we're entering into so why is insurance any different you know it's exactly the same um it's really complex so to make make a small error could actually then mean the policies are validated now okay there might be small losses that you could potentially cover but think of the worst case on property it could be a fire total loss and if it's not insured then you're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds so it is really important to think about transferring your risks um, and then pay a premium to the insurer for doing that Right. And in terms of uh, like there's a lot going on out there uh, in the development 
the impact of inflation has definitely, uh, I suppose, cast its shadow over the, the wider development world and indeed the wider economy. Uh, how, how has inflation and the economic climate uh, impacted on insurances? Yeah, insurance in the market has, hasn't not been hidden. It's not hiding from that as well. It's affected just as much as a lot of other industries. And I think the main impact for insurers is that they have increased claims costs. So they also need to factor in running costs for admin staff um, facilitating the policies, but they also have lots of investments. So they use the money to invest. Now with that reducing, inflation is impacting on their profits. There's only one thing that they have to increase the premiums and that has hardened rapidly. So it's not been a trickling increase. It's jumped quite massively. You're looking at sometimes 30, 40% increases. So it has had a real impact. Um, but also with regards to property, that's had a rebuild increase alongside the premium increases. So when we're talking rebuild increases, the cost to rebuild a property after a total loss, that's based on the actual cost to rebuild. So with that going up, the price of materials going up and all the professional fees, that's impacted that as well. So the economic climate has has hit insurance premiums. Um, and I suppose anyone who's stepped outside the door uh, in the last year or two uh, would be aware of the impact of inflation. Everything seems to be costing a bit more and building materials and, and building labour are, are no exceptions. It would exactly. And I, I guess I don't appreciate the consumer doesn't think like what what is the impact on an insurer, but their premium, just say £200, for example, they're going to make less out of that this year they did last year if they factor in the inflation so they have to start to think about premium increases in order to you know, keep their profit so they can keep offering the same cover and in general keep the insurance economy going because it's a massive part of the economy it it protects a lot of industry so it is so important it's uh, re really interesting um the that idea that insurers uh, are also investors at the same time in the background. So um, they've got to keep the, the money sort of ticking away. It's, so it's there for that, uh, that, that big event when, when required. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. So it's impacted them heavily. Um, so it's just trying to make sure that, it's understanding that premiums will rise. That being said, there's still enough competition within the market, especially in the property space, that there are options. So if you have, a, say, a 30, 40 percent price increase with one insurer, that doesn't mean that they're all doing it. There's enough variety out there to, to keep um, to keep it all competitive. Okay, I've got a few questions that I've uh, uh, dotted down in, in preparation. So um, what, what I might do, if it's OK, is... Um, fire a few of those off and, and, and we, we perhaps sort of expand out on some of them. The, the first is, um, um, I, I never cease to be amazed uh, how much time uh, we need to spend on our insurance to make sure it's correct. What, why is that? 
Yeah, good question. I mean, I'm biased, so I'm going to say speak to specialists and brokers like ourselves. You know, we do the the legwork for you. But if you feel you want to go direct, then it's about understanding that policy wording. So you're buying a contract with an insurer. There are a lot of an obligations and conditions in there, but they're ugly. I mean, sometimes a policy wording can be eighty to ninety pages. But if you if you go from it start to finish, I mean, a lot of it might be Chinese because you're not going to understand the terminology they're using. So if you don't understand what you need to do as part of your part of the deal from your end, then again, it can complicate things at the, the other end when it comes to a claim. It, it, again, relating to property, it could be simple endorsements such as inspecting a flat roof. It could be an electrical certificate. It could be you need to do... Um, certain things if the property is unoccupied like inspections so it there's a lot to go through so I think if you're looking at an insurance product and it's you know on face value then you do need to spend time to go through all of those those conditions really yeah it's interesting like we've got some um uh got some properties that are um uh Derelict that we're, we're going to be redeveloping it at some point in the future, and we have to have them inspected by property manager each week inside each of the individual flats, um, and and documented. And um, we've got a, a record going back since the the time of uh, the insurance kicked in each week that they they go along, and, and it's on the property manager's checklist each week to document that to us, and we. Uh, uh, being the top sort of three or four points in the um, in their their role as a property manager in that that wider portfolio, but um, yeah. um, th those details um, uh, th they take an enormous amount of time to uh, to get right, and uh, th the fear factor uh, is is what I feel, and it kind of motivates us to um, like look into that detail a, a little bit more. Um, but it, it, I suppose it pales into insignificance what, what you do as a, a broker behind the scenes to to arrange it. So, what what other um, just the, moving on to the next point? Could you explain what under insurance is? Yeah, and it's it's it can relate to other parts of insurance other than property. I think the the best example is around property and the reinstatement values. So the under insurance is where you will insure a property and you won't do it to the correct value. So say the rebuild needs to be 500,000 and that is from a RIC surveyor. You decide to insure it for 300,000. Well, then you are underinsured for the true value. So that's it in its simplest form. That can have big repercussions because insurance is a pool. So if you're not putting in enough into the pool, then you can't take what you need out of the pool. So what they will do is apply something called average and average is a condition which will allow the insurer to deduct a claims payout by any percentage that you've underinsured. So that could be a simple two, three thousand pound escape of water claim. But if the insurer note that you're underinsured for the, the total property, then again, they can still apply that average to the claim, even if it's not a total loss. Mm -hmm. So it's really 
really important not to underinsure. That underinsurance can also relate to um, loss of rent. If you're not insuring your rent to the proper value, then why should you receive all your cover when, once there's a claim? And it can also go into things such as trading risks. So if you if you run shops, restaurants, pubs, bars, that type of thing, and you haven't insured your contents or your stock to a, a certain value, then again, they can apply that that average and the under insurance clause. It, it's actually funny that we're talking about that today. I mean, it seems like I'm talking about it every single minute because we're trying to to highlight the issues to clients around rebuilds on on every single conversation. But there was a chart that came out today and just looking at rebuild values and it was five percent of the rebuild values were properly assessed and done by a surveyor or a lender or evaluation but it's as high as 20 percent of people just guessed so you can see how problematic it is if we're just guessing reinstatement values and none of us well there will be surveyors out there that have property but those that aren't how do we get a true value and if we're guessing you're just leaving you're leaving your chances it's just it's just not it's just so dangerous mm -hmm. i i certainly um have been guilty of guessing and then uh, being astounded by what the surveyors come back with when we actually put it in it's even if you look at properties of the north of England, it's costing more to rebuild them than they're worth. Mm -hmm. A lot of the much time, more, much more in some cases. Yeah, much more in a lot of cases, especially if you you know you're going even further into Scotland and it's picking up two three beds for fifty fifty five thousand pounds. It could still be 140, 150, even more to to rebuild them. Um, so the rebuild cost isn't just the price of the materials to put it back it must also include the removal of debris after a total loss and then all the professional fees that go into consulting to rebuild so that's worth bearing in mind as well but last year we saw approximately 19.4 percent increase in rebuild costs across the board so massive increases in in the cost to rebuild a fifth just like that wow so yeah you're um, just shifting into the development uh, instrument, sort of, um, and having a little bit more focus. Like, what are the um, the different types of insurance for an, an existing structure, for example? Yeah, good that you split it there, because we we do also cover off um, other types of development, such as ground up. But if you're going in purchasing an existing structure that's being refurbed, then the main and, I, and I'm, I'm sure there's like a, a number of people that um, would be be looking at doing permitted development projects or yes uh, or, or similar listening to the show and uh, what what is that uh, existing structure insurance yeah so the the key point is the buildings insurance so it's existing structure or you'll hear it be called buildings insurance so it's insuring the property as is but what you're doing is telling the insurer what you're doing to it. A lot of times you might pick it up um, and you don't actually know. It might be pre-planning. It might be going through planning. But an insurer will still ask what your plans are within that 12 months. So it's always worth noting to the insurer, look, this is what we're looking to do. So it will cover you from start through the development and then once again at the other end. 
So there's not much difference on the actual policy between occupied and unoccupied. It's buildings, that's what you're covering, but it's about the insurer knowing that it's unoccupied and going through the development. And then you're just attuning your cover to what you want to cover. Pre pre presumably um, at, at various points, the, uh, the the cost of making good becomes more um if you've you've you know you've, you've spent um uh spent a bit of time ripping something out or or um it's partially partially done yeah and that that sort of then moves quite nicely into the, another cover that you would look at which is the contract works so the existing structure yes when you purchase the property you will insure it for that value at the time you've You've, what it is at the time of the policy but if you're you know building and, and, and we're, we're, we're sure most of the uh, developers listening would would know that uh, in general while you you want to get started immediately there's usually a period where you're waiting around for for someone to do something yeah um but bit planning or 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 professionals precisely um so it's about either what we what i appreciate again from the start we said insurance isn't the most um, sexy subject topics exactly so it can easily fall into the the back of the mind so if you're ensuring the existing structure on day one through that project if you've got extensions that are then finished signed off they then form part of the existing structure so you have to think about then increasing that rebuild as you go alternatively you would look at covering the rebuild the end project at the start so you're protected throughout or you can take special policies where it will cover the existing structure and the works so it will cover but, and, and if the cover. contract works is covering the ongoing works why don't the trades take this over or this cover yeah common misconception really i mean a lot of developers go right we've got trades they will cover the works from start to finish but that really does depend on if you've signed a main contract, if you've got a principal contractor, what is in that contract? Are you making sure that they're there covering the, the works? So on a principal contractor, they probably will. So you want to make sure that you're checking that they've got the cover. However, if you are contract managing, well, then you're just appointing each individual trades. There's no main contract. So you then form the position as the main contractor as such so as a developer you would then need to take that contract works cover and the contract works is separate to the existing structure so again mainly applicable for big conversions or anything where there's elements of new build so an extension so the contract works say an extension burns down three weeks before it's practically complete well it doesn't form part of the existing structure it would need to be covered under the works. So it's again, really important that the works are covered during the development because it can cause massive losses if you haven't thought about that one part. Mm -hmm. and, and in an uh, insurance event, uh, like it burnt down, what is the point where it's viewed to be completed? So usually on a practical completion certificate, so the builder will sign it off or building regs builder control signed off it would then be deemed part of the existing structure so that's usually right at the very end if you've not got that main principal contractor and then there's 
so you know you're signing off different parts of the project throughout well then you need to think about covering the contract works yourself so you're protected for all those elements throughout the development um the best way of doing it is to cover the contract works in the existing structure together so there are policies that will allow that and that just takes away those gray areas because you've not got two insurers covering different parts at different times really it's all covered under one project from start to finish so you cover the existing structure on day one the contract works and then whatever happens throughout the policy is is either or you claim under different the different sections if you need to um, what other insurance products should developers um, be considering? Like, what what might they need, especially when they're starting from ground up? Yeah, so ground up, there's a few more steps, I would say, before you get to that contract works. I mean, you might acquire a site. Again, planning can take forever. You still do have some liability for your land. So if there are trespasses and there, there's injuries, you could still be liable as the, the owner of the site. So you might take some land liability. When plans are drawn together um, and you're looking to start the groundworks, what you should think about before you do any digging is your structural warranties. So that will be a 10-year structural warranty for the development. And it's important to get that before because the insurer for the warranties will like to come then and do inspections throughout. They want to see what's going on from the very start to the very end. To get it retrospectively is quite difficult because they can't see who or what has been laid on the foundations uh -huh. and it can be more expensive. So structural warranty should be done before the work start. And then it's about the contract works. So who's been appointed? Is it the main contractor that's going to be covering the works? Are you covering the works as the developer? But also think about the contracts you've signed. Have you signed into a JCT? Because sometimes with the JCTs, they will have a clause in there that you must insure together. So you'll have to take a policy with you and the contractor named, and it covers both then the existing, um, well, it covers the works from ground up to practical completion, but in both names. And then once it's practically complete, it's an existing structure. So you then insure it back as a property. Right. So something that um, happens from time to time is that a, um, a development uh, fails financially before it's completed. Uh, uh, or indeed, a contractor fails uh, before they've, they've completed the works. From an insurance point of view, what, what are some of the mitigations and how is it handled it happens a lot it does it does i mean unfortunately especially with the the climate that we're in it's very hard to forecast and predict the future it's you know sometimes very very difficult so if a contract is of a certain size the developer might want to think about that joint names but because what it can do is cover it on a composite basis so both policyholders are you know insuring in their own right so what you could look at is if a contractor fails then they can replace that with the new contractor the same policy can continue whereas if you have a separate policy and it's halfway through a development 
and the the developer then goes bankrupt well the new contract that, that the new contractor that's appointed can't cover the previous works because they didn't spend any money on the works they're not there's no insurable interest on the works so using your your foundation example um that they don't know was it built on sand or or on reinforced steel that's so yeah i mean it, it's if if there's a new contract on site that's i mean for a contract works policy perspective then they they're covering and someone else's work someone else's is, work that they don't um, know what they've done if they've gone bankrupt yeah exactly where they are you know a legitimate you don't know what's behind the wall precisely and you don't know you know you don't know what's been dug and it, it can cause well it puts insurers off it really does it's very difficult i mean we had an example where it was a block of flats and the, the concrete structure had been developed contractor went off site the new contractor was coming on but the lenders involved weren't going to look at releasing funds until the insurance was sorted so what we had to do was ensure the steel frame as an existing structure so if anything had happened to that it's it's covered for the the developer and then a new contract works policy for the new contractor being appointed for anything thereon. so it can be difficult if it's not in joint names when a contractor does go uh, you know is is bankrupt or goes has financial problems throughout the development uh, interesting so um in terms of um once you you have an occupied policy is there a, a policy that will fit all tenant types ah good question no no and it's something that we've constantly trying to sort of um highlight is that it's so important again to declare who's in there so a lot of there's a lot of things we could do with properties nowadays and in fact the standard vanilla single buy to let is forever dis disappearing i mean we're not seeing as many um with a lot of with a lot of different changes in the environment so we're seeing a lot more shift towards social housing uh, holiday lets students and different ways to, to uh, and uh, even within each of those three there's enormous variation as to what constitutes social housing what constitutes uh, a holiday let what constitutes um students even what the makeup yeah. of and profile exactly that and just take one of those sections social housing we often see that the clients will assume you know it's standard dss universal credit tenants and they would insure it on that basis but what they're not declaring to the insurer is it's actually leased to a housing authority that then allows the housing authority to place whoever they want within their contract so they could be placing vulnerable tenants uh, homeless tenants they could have people with ex-convicts um, drug issues that is a completely separate risk to a, a universal credit tenant on a direct ast with the owner so all, all of which are insurable but uh, the insurer would want to know uh, what they're insuring precisely precisely and this is where it goes back to if it's not put incorrect it's not going to have the correct output so it's something that might seem simple you know universal credit compared to vulnerable is so important because there's such a small variety of insurers that will 
insurers that will look at social housing. So if you insured it on a, you know, just a standard AST universal credit basis, if the insurer hadn't, or you, the insurer you're with doesn't do social housing, they're not going to pay on any claim because when it comes to a claim, they would have, they would say, look, I would not have written this policy. Therefore we'll cancel it from inception. So it's so important to make sure you're updating your tenant types, because as you just said there, will insurers will do it. There's, there's many options for it. It's just about making sure it's correct to start with. Um, so very important. So, so there's obviously um, a, absolute plethora of insurance products on the market available um knowing what one to choose um you know must must be uh one of the most common sort of head wrecks um for people involved in in property and particularly in in development um and i'm questioning whether we should be listening to you because You've chosen Tottenham Hotspur as your uh, <laughs> your football team, and uh, anyone that does that must must have um, you know a, a hope value in there. Yeah, hope, but especially I hope it doesn't mean that your say Spurs are known for wasting money. So let's not compare that with us. We we don't okay. want to waste your you, money. You, you take care of that in your personal life, do you? Where? <laughs> Well, yeah, there's it, too much stress with Spurs. That's the that's the key problem of supporting them. Um, so actually, insurance can sometimes seem more of a relief. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, so, so, so back, back to the serious question: like, so many products out there. Um, how how does one know what to choose? Great question. I mean, I can talk forever on policy benefits, but it is more what fits you as a person but I guess the first part is understanding what you want and then pick a policy from there rather than look at the premium and go for one that isn't the cheapest but second best you, you're all look if you're looking at the premium then actually you're not looking at the cover at all so you in a way are guessing of that you're going to have everything covered but there's such a variety of wordings in the market it is very important to to read them insurers have tried to consolidate it and make it very sort of easier to read they do some summary products or what's called an ipid which is a key fact sheet but there's lots of different covers i mean one for example we're seeing a lot of claims is around cannabis farms it's not a, a coverage that is widely available if it is, it's restricted to a certain amount per claim. So without even knowing it, if you've got a really so bad just, just for Just for clarity, as opposed to a, a business investment sector, you're talking about uh, a, a property where you find a, a cannabis farm um, has been operated in and it's got to be cleared out. Cleared out. There could be lots of damage internally for how they've, they've, they've changed the property. Um, so without that cover, you could be, again, seeing a big loss. There's a lot of different covers with Occupy. That's probably where it varies the most. If we move back to developers, mainly on that existing structure, unoccupied coverage, there's usually three types. So it goes level one, level two, or level three. Level three being the most cover. 
and level one being stripped back to pretty much fire, lightning, earthquake, explosion and aircraft. So you can see how really restricted level one cover is and it is to be taken with caution if you're comfortable with those and you are really only covering for a fire great if not you can look at then extending the cover to wider perils such as storm flood malicious damage and other eventualities that then protects you through the development um so lots of coverages if you're not sure you understand it that's where again brokers do come in and are worth their weight in gold so your your, your point around simplicity um is there a uh, like a, we're obviously portfolio uh holders uh, is there any way of ensuring the whole lot under one policy absolutely absolutely i think if you're looking at a portfolio just for example, occupied by Tillets. If you spread them over 15 different policies, well, firstly, you might be paying admin fees on each one and insurer fees on each one. So bring it under one, you've got an instant cost saving. Also, you've got much more leverage and buying power as a portfolio. You will get better rates per property doing it together as one. So not all insurers are as varied as others they're not as flexible as others we always try to look at a provider that has a very competitive rate but we then also like lots of different tenant types so you're not finding yourself three or four properties into a portfolio and then you try and add a social housing and they say oh no don't want that one so it's putting it together but then making it applicable to you and just working for you so it's as as less admin as intensive as it, as it needs to be. But absolutely, portfolio building is a good way to, to save money on your premiums. And, and can the same be applied to uh, multi-site development um, or, or is it a uh, peer SVV? We can do um, it, yeah. There's, there's, there are insurers that will do multi-entity um, covers. So if you've got you know, SPVs for each separate development that you set up, you can cover them under one portfolio. Um, that's that's possible. Or you could spread them out into each individual limited company, however you want to work it, really. But again, just going back to that point, the more that you can put together, I think that's where the, there's more cost saving because it's more attractive to an insurer. So... Uh, there's a stigma about in, insurance and, and that it will never pay out. Is this true? I'm obviously going to say no, or I was on the wrong podcast. <laughs> I, I'm not under any illusions, the reputation of the insurance industry. I, I'm really not. But I, I will say from our side of the fence that all those topics we've just discussed there a lot of it does allude to the fact that the information isn't put in correctly. So if it's not, then why would an insurer pay out? And at the end of the day, it's a contract. If you don't fulfill your side of the bargain, again, why would the insurer? So I, I believe fundamentally that it's about trying to educate to make sure that the insurers know everything, because once they do, they cannot just wriggle out of claims. There is a, 
a perception that they will just wriggle out of anything that they want to but there's been a lot of regulation um, with the insurance act 2015 that there has to be fundamental proof for them to be able to then not pay out a claim so it is really important to get it in at the start correct and if it is well then there's no reason why an insurer shouldn't pay out um and it, yeah again it's just understanding the, the contract is it fit for purpose for, for you because if you're you know, looking at an insurance policy, it doesn't matter if it's one of the big boys or a smaller one or a syndicate in Lloyd's, it's a contract. So understanding that contract um, is is important. Very good. And you can uh, meet Josh or, or John or, or one of the other insurance uh, desk people at a Partners and Property event or a number of other property networking events around the country. Um, so um, I, I've been authorised to make a special offer uh, to anyone, anyone listening uh, who, who's wanting a, a discount on the insurance. Um, normally it's an arm and a, a leg, but if you get hold of Josh, uh, I think he'll just do it for an arm for you. So uh, if someone's wanting to take up that offer, uh, how do they get hold of you again, Josh? What was the website? So website www.insurance-desk.com. Our telephone number's on there, but if you do want to call directly, 01296 329 610. All right, fantastic. Uh, I'm Will Mallard. This is my property world. Uh, Josh Munt, many thanks. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Will. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.